0: Welcome into the week 13 show for Line Up, a sports podcast where we are all about betting lines, fantasy lineups, and every storyline you could think of regarding the NFL season. And joining me to line up things, as always, is Eric. Welcome
1: back, everyone. Looking forward to another great week of football, talking
0: with my boys here. And then completing the full house lineup for week 13 is Brendan. Full
2: strength and ready to rock. Let's go. Full
0: strength and ready to rock indeed as we head into week 13. And... Unlike last week, uh, the last two weeks really, where we've had some talks about contenders and pretenders, I don't really feel like the NFL landscape shifted all that much in week 10, um, so I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't really feel like there's a huge, big storyline staring us right in the face. Uh, we did, however, uh, when it comes to our picks, uh, get back into some decent territory, at least two of us did, um, although we were all pretty freaking good against uh, just straight up here but the spread picks sort of rebounded a little bit after a couple of tough weeks. But, uh, Eric, sorry to say, but, uh, you did not rebound in the best way.
1: Yeah, definitely starting to feel like a fall from grace over these past, what, four weeks at this point, but we'll see. We have what six more weeks left of the NFL season. So we'll see how well I do for these remaining, remaining six weeks.
0: And, uh, your fall from grace has allowed me to, uh, retake the mantle both in the straight up picks and against the spread so going for that champ champ status here on line them up uh when it comes to the picks um but like i said uh, not a huge amount of lines obviously we'll you know get into this some of the storylines coming out of last week's game when we talk about this week's game um but before we get into that eric you want to hit us with that fantasy recap right quick
1: yeah so for those of us new and joining us, or needs a reminder, we always have Starts of the Week every week where we pick a running back and a wide receiver from the Fantasy Pro's rankings and add up their total with their Fantasy Pro's rankings during that week. But they need 10 points to qualify because obviously we're calling them as our Starts of the Week. Uh, on that end, I did pull one out over uh, my co-host here uh, with Smaj P. Ryan starting for the injured or having the concussion, Joe Mixon. And Brandon Cooks, although Smiley P. Ryan was the only one that actually qualified. While John was able to qualify Latavius Murray and Brandon was able to qualify Jeff Wilson. So we did qualify half of our players, but I did outscore them in that aspect. Uh, so that does put me with four wins, tied with John and then Brandon's still lagging behind here. But we'll see if we can catch up over these next six weeks. And then on the start-sit front, we had Drake London or D.J. Moore. D.J. Moore had a great game for the Panthers and vastly outscored Drake London and whatever the passing game offense that the Falcons are putting out right now. Um, Brendan and John were able to get that right. Then we had a defensive matchup for the New York Jets defense or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And Tampa Bay Buccaneers definitely outscored the Buccaneers. Uh, The Buccaneers played the Browns last week and they definitely did not play necessarily well against that offense. Uh, Brennan and I were able to get that one right in the New York Jets. Then we have Latavius Murray or Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders had a phenomenal game for the Eagles last week, being one of the top running back scorers of 29.5 and .5 PBR. And uh, I believe this was John's own roster, but he ended up starting in both as as we talked about last week. So John felt fine in that aspect, Uh, but Brennan and I were uh, the ones correct in picking Sanders over Latavius Murray. Finally, we had a, a safe kicker matchup in Harrison Bucker versus Youngwei Koo. Uh, seems like Bucker was definitely the safe floor option and a high-scoring offense with the Kansas State Chiefs, and he was definitely able to outscore Youngwei Koo and Brendan and John were both to get that one right. Uh, overall, Brendan seems to be doing the best in the uh, start-sit uh, decisions that we have every week, so kudos to him.
0: But that, I think that's everything for the fantasy recap on our end. Absolutely. So, you know, we're having our ups and downs there, as we always do, but I think what I really like so far this year is that those fantasy decisions, the starts of the week, the start sits, always are really competitive, um, so hopefully all you listeners out there, we're giving you something to think about. Uh, now, as is usually the case before we get into the Week 13 stuff, we did already uh, see the Bills get a win over the Patriots, sort of a nice return to form in my mind for a Bills team that has definitely been up and down and so uh Brendan and I do start out the week with a nice 2 and 0 in that game as we did pick the Bills both against the spread and straight up Eric takes the loss and with that we roll right into week 13 gentlemen and we start out with a game very near and dear to my heart the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons Steelers coming off of a Monday night win over the Colts um, in uh, what was kind of a get right game for them I mean obviously this has not been a great Steelers season uh, whereas the Falcons are coming off a low scoring affair loss to the commanders so we have two teams here gentlemen that are not the cream of the crop in the NFL and how do you when you're dealing with these you know teams that are kind of the lower tier NFL teams how do you split a game
2: like this It's kind of tough, for my opinion. I mean, I really wanted to take the Steelers for this one just because I feel like their defense is the biggest strength of any of the teams. Excuse me, of either of these teams in this game. Uh, But one of the things that the Steelers do kind of struggle with on defense, and it it kind of limits the effect that T.J. Watt can have, is when they come up against a mobile quarterback. Um, We saw that a little bit with the Patriots defense, who obviously they have a pretty strong defense this year. Um, But it's been a while since they've faced a mobile quarterback, probably since Justin Fields, Um, came into Foxborough and tore them apart. So I was pretty confident coming into that game that Josh Allen would be able to get the job done in Foxborough and take down that Patriots defense. Granted, he didn't have the best day, especially if you were a Josh Allen fantasy starter, but I'm seeing something similar for Marcus Mariota in this Falcons offense that likes to run and get creative with uh, creating touches for their playmakers that way. So I think... Marcus Mariota's mobility in the pocket will be able to stifle the Steelers' strength on defense a little bit. Um, so I'm going to actually take the Falcons to win in cover, which I, I believe this game is still uh, basically a pick'em right now. So um, again, this is not one I'm super confident in, but uh, I could see this game going either way. So
0: you're just taking the Falcons to win straight up, you know, sort of regardless of points spread anything like that yeah and,
2: and yeah and i think again this game is basically a pick'em right now i know it's fluctuated back and forth a little bit on either side this week but um i mean in a game like this with two teams that aren't really top tier or bottom tier of the nfl i would say it's usually one where i look to take the team that i think will be able to move the ball the best and while the falcons have struggled sometimes this year on offense um I do, once again, I have the faith that Marcus Mariota will be able to get out of the pocket and create just enough offense for the Falcons to pull this one out.
0: Eric, do you think that uh, the Mariota mobile quarterback storyline is enough to get you on the Falcons in this one, or are you looking for a winning streak from the Steelers?
1: I think if I were picking this game at the beginning of the season, I'd probably lean toward the Falcons, as I did suggest that the Falcons were one of the more exciting teams in the league with their rushing capabilities and Marcus Mariota. that said, I think I'm gonna roll with recent form in in this matchup, and I'm gonna roll the Steelers who are two and one since the bye. And their defense has stepped up, particularly since T.J. Watt has come back. And their offense hasn't looked particularly bad from my standpoint. They beat the Saints, they scored 20 points on the Saints defense. They scored 30 points against the Bengals despite losing, so that's impressive in and of itself. And then they beat the Colts 24 to 17, so they're able to put up points more recently. And I think the Falcons are definitely not necessarily that great on the defensive side of the ball either, so I think the Steelers should be fine in moving the ball. And with their defense, as Brenda mentioned, being one of the more stalwart pieces in this matchup, I think uh, I'll be more confident in leaning toward the Steelers to with the spread, uh, cover the spread, and, and win the game straight up uh, in this pick 'em game.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to side—unsurprisingly, I'm sure I'm going to side with you here, Eric. I just feel like ever since that win that the Falcons had back in Week 8 over the Panthers, Marcus Mariota has regressed in his role with this offense. I mean, we saw him look absolutely abysmal two weeks later against that same Panthers team on Thursday Night Football. They're coming off a loss to the Commanders where they only scored 13 points. And it just feels like this is a Falcons team where the offense is regressing while the Steelers offense is progressing. Uh, You know, no turnovers in their last three games. Kenny Pickett looks more comfortable. Each week, you know, he looks like he's growing. There's definitely still that blossoming relationship between him and George Pickens in that passing game. Um, I do have questions because Najee Harris did exit that that game last week against the Colts. Uh, And so he is set to play, but it's a question of, like, how effective he will be. And even with Kenny Pickett's growth, you can't really take any hits on the Steelers offense they need everybody that they can get in order to you know start to get back towards being a competent offense in the NFL but the thing is I don't know that you really need a competent offense against the Falcons and so in what is essentially a pick 'em game I will roll with my boys
1: uh, I'm curious and this question is more toward Brendan uh, since Brendan is the one picking the Falcons to win this game uh, the Falcons are currently at plus 550 to make the playoffs they're only a half game back to the Buccaneers to win the division, and they're two games back, the Giants, Commanders, and Seahawks to win a wild card. Do you think that's worth it in your in your eyes, or no?
2: Uh, just on the surface, yeah, it sounds worth it to me. I, I haven't looked at their schedule for the rest of the season, so I'd have to take a look at that. Uh, it does look like they play, after the bye, they come out and play at New Orleans, at Baltimore come back home and play the Cardinals and then finish the season off against Tampa Bay. And what could honestly, it could decide the division right there. So I think plus five fifty is a decent price that you're getting right there. I mean, heck if the saints beat the Buccaneers this week, then this division is up for grabs. And while the Falcons have a tough remaining schedule over those last four weeks, it would really only take one or two wins. I think to seal the deal, especially if they get the win over Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Sounds like a fair price with, if I look at the Giants schedule, for example, they, they might be in line to fall out. We'll see how consistent the Seahawks are. Seems like a definitely fair price They either make the wild card or, or win the division.
0: Definitely the NFC South is one to keep an eye on. It would be interesting. We'll see if we get that week 18 uh, de facto NFC South championship game. Uh, but moving off of the NFC South, going to the NFC North, going from my favorite team to Eric's favorite team, and we have the disappointing Green Bay Packers heading into Chicago to f- take on the Bears. And is it been announced yet this week? I, I hadn't seen if Trevor Simeon's still the quarterback. Or are we going to get Justin Fields back in this one, boys? And then if it is Fields versus Simeon, does that uh, change your pick?
2: So Simeon's actually out for the season. He suffered, I think it was an abdominal injury or an oblique, I think when he was warming up before last week, and that's why he didn't get the start. Um, so Simeon's actually gone for the season. And given the fact that Fields has practiced in full the last couple of days, it leads me to believe that he will be the starter this week against Green Bay. And I think the line movement that we've seen in this game from the last few days reflects that because the market has shifted from, I think Packers was minus five in the middle of the week, and now they're all the way back down to a field goal. Um and honestly, this line is kind of looking like it could even get down to two and a half. Um, the thing that worries me about this is that we're all on the Packers to cover the spread and win. And usually it seems like a no-brainer when the Packers are playing Chicago that Aaron Rodgers is going to get the job done. But I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is super healthy. And I don't really know that I have that much confidence in this Packers team to come in and get the job done, especially if Justin Fields is actually as healthy as as the practice reports are stating that he is so as i mentioned i'm gonna roll with the packers uh john it looks like i'm seeing a little mid show flip is that correct
0: yeah if justin feels this is the thing i hadn't looked into whether justin fields is healthy and so if you're saying he's healthy i'm on the bears because first of all i would rather go into this game thinking like okay I want to see some exciting football. Who's most likely to give me exciting football? That's Justin Fields and the Bears. So I want to roll on that team. And then the other thing is the Packers have been so disappointing. So disappointing. And really, the only reason, other than Fields' injury, that I would even consider rolling on the Packers in this game is Aaron Rodgers' quote unquote ownership of the Bears. But. If he's banged up and he's far from his full powers, I mean, frankly, last week, Jordan Love looked better than Aaron Rodgers in, in the game we saw from the Packers. And so if that is still the case, if we're still dealing with a diminished Aaron Rodgers on top of what is just an overall diminished Packers team, give me the Bears. Yeah, Eric, I want to get...
2: Go ahead. Uh, no, I, just, I was just going to say I want to get your opinion, but I, I have a question for you after i hear your, your your take here
1: the question for me or for john
2: well for both of you but go ahead oh
1: all right uh well i was gonna say to john's credit uh or, or in his favor i mean green bay has been atrocious against the spread this season it looks like they're they're one and six against the spread as the favorite this season and i believe they're oh and five in the last five road games or at least the last five road favorite games um, at games in which they're your favorite, so that that's definitely terrifying, uh, and um, I'm glad John switched because it does terrify me as well that we'd all be on the Packers. That said, uh, I'm also worried about like with Justin Fields coming back from injury, I don't know how much they're going to play. I think as a Bears fan, I don't want him to get injured this season to you know destroy next season because I think he definitely shown enough, I don't want him to ruin his whatever he's having injured. He's getting tagged a lot with his shoulder. Um, his legs whatever he's, he's sore it sounds like every week from what I'm hearing from the reports and then secondly uh, Darna Mooney's also out so maybe you expect Justin Fields to run a lot but with Darna Mooney ruled out for the rest of the season on IR uh, I don't know which wide receiver is going to step up for the Bears just yet so I think there's still some questions on that end uh, before I can trust in the Bears winning against the Packers though I, as much as I was, like them to beat the Packers we'll, we'll have to see that's why I'm also on the Packers to to cover and then went straight up.
2: So my question that I'll pose to both of you is that if I told you that Justin Fields is going to run for less than 40 yards this game, would you be on the Bears to cover John? Or would you think the Packers? No, probably not. Okay. So the reason that I'm on the Packers is because although Justin Fields is on track and looks like he's going to play, I think that the bigger story that we're kind of glossing over is that in that second half of the last game that we saw him in, He didn't get to run as much because he had hamstring cramps throughout the game. And I was a little concerned that it was a bigger issue than was advertised because he also had the shoulder injury over the last week. So I'll be curious to see how he looks this Sunday against the Packers, just because if he doesn't have that mobility factor and has to really shine as a pocket passer for the most part, they're going to really need to lean on David Montgomery to get the run game going. And that gives me much less confidence in the Bears to take this game. Okay, but if,
0: wouldn't you think that for a Bears team that has a lost season, you know, you know, they're not going anywhere, and they have a bye week next week, wouldn't you think that if there was any doubt at all about Justin Fields' health, either his shoulder, his hamstring, whatever might be going on, that they would just say, you know what, we're going to pack it up this week. Uh, and make sure that Justin Hitfield is healthy come two weeks from now to face the Eagles. And so the fact that they're willing to roll him out there and give him that start when they very well could just say, hey, Nathan Peterman, go get him. But um, to me, that says he is healthy. And to me, that doesn't give me any doubts about his ability to fully execute the offense yes not having darnell mooney does hurt but i think this is an offense that more looks like the early day ravens offenses with lamar jackson and the fact that you're without a key wide receiver when you still have david montgomery when you still have cole Komet is less of a big deal based on where this offense is
2: Sure, and the other side of the coin, like yes, the answer to your question is I, I, I would agree that they're most likely not going to put him out there if if the, he's not, they're not confident he's fully healthy. But the other side of the coin is this is a divisional game against a team that has been their rival for a long time. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. The Packers look like they're vulnerable and can be beaten at home. And the other side of this is that. Yeah, maybe maybe Justin Field's shoulder is completely fine and that's why they're playing him, but if his hamstring and his legs aren't super healthy, maybe the game plan is, "Hey, we're going to work on your pocket passing. We're going to improve you as a pocket passer, so let's stick let's let's stick to the passing game for the most part this week. Don't try to do too much with your legs and get out of the pocket and make plays happen. We just want to see you grow in that aspect. And to me, that's you know, that's a very plausible game plan. That this Bears team could have to try and develop Justin Fields into an even better asset going forward. Maybe it's possible.
1: Yeah, and if, it, if it's just cramps, I, I think you know the training staff will just force to eat a lot of bananas over the weekend. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Get some bananas. Bananas. <laughs> all
0: right. So we'll see how is. We'll see how that one we'll we'll how plays out. Uh, maybe a little bit more exciting than otherwise advertised, um, but we will see. Sticking in the NFC North with one of those teams, but uh, having a cross-conference matchup, we see the Lions fresh off of their loss to the Bills on Thanksgiving, welcoming the Jaguars to Detroit. They are fresh off of a somewhat surprising win, uh, come-from-behind win over the Ravens in Jacksonville. The line has moved from a slight Lions favorite to basically a pick And so, my question to you, boys, is
2: simple. What's the pick? Well, I think we're going to turn the question around. I think we're going to turn this question around on you, John, because Eric and I are both on the Lions. (laughs) But it looks like you're on the Jaguars. And for me, this is a classic letdown spot after that big come from behind win for the Jaguars uh, against the Ravens last week. This could very easily be a spot where they're, uh, you know, kind of taking it for granted, looking forward to Tennessee next week a little bit more. I'm not big on the whole narrative side when I'm looking at picking games in the NFL, but. I think that this could be uh, an angle to look at because they did obviously have that emotional win uh, last week against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens team. So for me, I'm looking at this Lions team. They're scrappy. They can probably hang with this Jaguars team. And it's anybody's game really in my mind. So you're going to have to convince us, I think, John, on why you're on the Jaguars. So here's my question to you guys. If I say to
0: you that Trevor Lawrence comes into Detroit and throws two, for 275 yards, doesn't throw an interception, and puts up two touchdowns. Who do you think wins?
2: I think that's the that's like a guarantee. So that's like that didn't change the, my outlook of the game at all. I still Wait, think that I, the I still Lions think it's win. a pick 'em. I yeah. still think it's a pick 'em. Even <laughs> <That's, laughs> that, stat, I
1: think that game is still a pick 'em. I, I I think the game is close. I agree with Vegas in that this is an even line because I, I think this could go either way. But even giving us that stat line, John, I will still lean. I was still leaning toward my pick of the lines as well. Because
2: here's, I'm, here's I'm my... fully expecting that line to come to fruition. So for me, that doesn't change anything.
0: Because I watched a large portion of that Ravens Jaguars game last week, and it seemed to me that Trevor Lawrence was growing in that game before our eyes. We've seen him go three weeks in a row without throwing an interception, playing good football picking up two wins in that span and honestly playing the Kansas City Chiefs pretty close as well. And so if you're going to tell me that Trevor Lawrence, who seems comfortable with his weapons, who seems comfortable in the NFL, maybe for the first stretch of, you know, consistent stretch throughout his first two seasons, because we've definitely seen flashes from Trevor Lawrence in terms of like, okay, he's had one good game here, but then followed it up with a pretty bad one. Right now, we're seeing consistently good Trevor Lawrence. And I think, you know, based on where the Lions have been, everything like that, you know, the fact that they have been more disappointing more often than not, I think that good Trevor Lawrence is enough to beat anything that Jared Goff and company are going to throw out.
2: Here. Certainly. I, I completely agree. I think Trevor Lawrence is growing in his role, and I think he's going to be a better quarterback than he certainly looked last year under Urban Meyer. But all that being said, I don't think that the question marks that Eric and I have on the Lions coming out of this game have anything to do with the Jaguars offense being successful. I think it's more about whether or not the Jaguars defense can shut down the Lions offense. That's more potent than most people still think, because this is going to be a shootout in my mind. I mean the over-under on this game I think was at like 51 and a half. I don't know what it's at right now. I can I can pull that up while, while Eric's talking, maybe in a second. But I do think that. This is going to come down to, you know, who, who gets the ball last and who can score last. And so for me, it's not really a question of, is Trevor Lawrence getting better? Is the Jaguars offense potent? Yeah, I think they are. But this Lions team is never about, will they be able to shut somebody down? It's just whether or not they'll be able to score more than the other team. And I think they're certainly capable of putting up points on this leaky Jaguars offense or defense uh, with, um, I think they're ranked number 30 schedule adjusted for fantasy wide receivers so I, I just I think that it's going to be a lot of points scored, and for me, I'll take the home team in that situation, especially when, uh, like I said, the Jaguars are coming off kind of a big emotional win last week.
1: Yeah, and I think I kind of compare their last two games pretty equally. While the Jaguars did win, the Detroit Lions played the Bills pretty well on Thanksgiving Day. They were leading by three points at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Or like in the fourth quarter, and they lost to basically a last-second field goal on like a forty-yard pass to Stephon Diggs. So uh, the Lions could have definitely won against the Bills last week, and maybe this narrative is completely different in in that aspect. So uh, I think the Lions are, from my aspect, also in better form than the Jaguars right now. So that's why
0: I also lean toward the Lions. Yeah, I just feel like I don't disagree that this could very well be a shootout. I just feel like in a shootout, I want the better quarterback. And that's what I think Trevor Lawrence is right
2: sure. now. Sure. And, uh, I, I mean, the fact that there's an argument for both sides speaks to why this game is a pick 'em. So, uh, again, I'm not saying that the Lions win this game outright, like, 100% guarantee. I'm just saying, I'm on the Lions, you're on the Jaguars, there's an argument for both sides. There's obviously a reason that this game is is a pick 'em line. And uh, I just looked it up, the total is 51 currently. So, yeah, I think it's a given that there's going to be a lot of points scored. That's what we're expecting. And honestly, it's probably going to come down to who has the better fourth quarter and who makes the least mistakes on offense. So I think there's an argument for both sides. We've, we've kind of covered both of them, and I, I guess we're just going to have to see what happens between these two <laughs> four-and-seven powerhouse offenses. I,
1: I think a dumb stat to know is that the Lions are 0-10-1 versus AFC teams uh, in the last 11 games, while the Jaguars are 0-19 and 19. Versus nfc teams in the past 19 games so i think looks like we're headed for a tie <laughs> one of these teams is gonna hopefully break their winless streak here but <laughs> maybe we could be headed for a tie this is an even game
0: <laughs> we will have to see we will have to see um now staying rounding out the uh, nfc north discussion for this week we go to Minnesota, where the Minnesota Vikings, fresh off of their impressive Thanksgiving win over the Patriots, welcome the Jets and the, the, new, the newly minted Jets with Mike White at quarterback. And so my question for you guys
2: is pretty simple. Can Mike White keep the magic going in Minnesota? Big time no for me. Uh, I don't think so, – so we saw this a little bit last year, right? Mike White – He's a better quarterback than people give him credit for, but he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like last year he came out, he blew up in his first start, went absolutely bananas and had like a bajillion yards and 93 touchdowns or something. And, you know, shortly after that, I think it was the next week, actually, he came out and crapped a bit. So I'm not expecting Mike White to come out and dominate this Vikings defense. I think what, teams need to beat the Vikings there's a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins and I don't have the faith that the Jets will be able to get that job done the Jets defense while stout I think their strength is in the secondary and Justin Jefferson is probably a tough matchup for them so uh, I don't think that they're gonna be able to slow this Vikings offense down too much and again I don't have hardly any faith in Mike White coming out and setting the world on fire again two weeks in a row so maybe he does maybe he doesn't but i would definitely put my money on the side that he does not
1: yeah i think the jets will move the ball pretty well against the vikings on that
2: front but i think as
1: what brendan is saying i, I think the vikings are definitely going to score more than the jets if we're talking about a straight points perspective i think the jets or the vikings are going to elude or give up a lot of yards to the jets but i, I don't know if the jets are going to put up a lot of points so i, I think Uh, On that front, I think the Vikings are definitely scoring more touchdowns than the Jets, and that's why I'm taking the the Vikings with the spread, with this three-point line that they're laying down uh, and uh, winning straight up, obviously.
0: So I agree that the Vikings are going to win, but I felt like I had to hedge in this one because I think this game is going to be a lot closer than maybe you guys are sort of putting it out there. The Vikings' defense is not good. They have some good players, but overall, the unit is not good. They are, you know, bottom 10 in terms of yards allowed, in terms of expected points contributed. They're just not a good unit. And so, yeah, is Mike White going to come out here and continue to light the world on fire? No, probably not. But given that the Jets overall have more weapons, Garrett Wilson seems to be really coming into his own. And given the fact that they're facing a overall pretty poor uh, Minnesota Vikings defense, I think they can go out there and move the ball. And the other thing is, is that Brendan, you talked about, you know, can they get pressure on Kirk Cousins? I think the the answer is absolutely yes.
2: Yes. I, I'm sorry, second, I have I have to cut you off here, John. Can we just back up for a second? Did you just say that the Jets have more weapons than the Vikings? They had more weapons than the than the Jets did last year. Oh, okay. That makes that I complete. I couldn't even listen to whatever you were saying after that because I was blown away by that. But no sorry no, no. continue. My, my
0: my point was is that last year we saw Mike White come in, first started. he he lights the world on fire. Second gotcha. start yes. he comes out and craps the bed. I think he's that in makes, a better that makes way more pos- position this year to sustain his success maybe not you know play at the same high level we saw against the bears last week or the same high level we saw in his first start last year but i think overall he's in a better position to sustain a level of success that puts the jets in a position to win and then the next point i was going to make is you know you you said you're worried about their ability to get pressure i'm not the jets rank fifth in the league in pressure rate despite only blitzing 15 percent of the time They have the very stereotypical, you know, 4-3 look that you want where you're getting pressure with with 4 and you're consistently holding up on the back end to allow that pressure to get home. Again, I still think the Vikings win this game, but I could not in good conscience say like, oh yeah, they're going to come out and win by a touchdown or 10 points or anything like that because I think the Jets' defense And the growth that we've seen from the offense overall, not just from Mike White, is enough to keep them in this game.
2: Yeah, for me, I I don't disagree that the Jets have succeeded in getting pressure so far this season. But I think what it takes to get pressure on this Vikings offense is what we saw the Cowboys do to them. And that's why they destroyed them. And Kirk Cousins had zero time to throw the ball and get rid of it at all. I mean, I, I think the blitz package that they need to get pressure on this Vikings defense is what the Cowboys use. Cowboys use, excuse me, and the whole, you know, coverage sacks that they get, as you were speaking about. I don't think that they're going to succeed in that with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook out of the backfield to deal with. I don't think that they're going to be able to hold down in coverage for long enough to get that pressure that they've had success so far this season. So I think that the Jets can get pressure on the Vikings offense, but it would require them to use a lot different looks than they have succeeded with this year, in my opinion. Granted, I will say, as a final closing thought, the money certainly agrees with you, John, that the Jets are going to cover this game because despite only getting 52% of the bets, the Jets currently have 80% of the money sitting on them to cover this field goal uh, in Minnesota. So I guess we'll just have to see, but uh, I'm actually looking looking forward to this game a lot. I think it's going to be one of the more exciting ones of the week. Probably the game of the week, honestly. Like, it seems kind of weird to
0: say, but probably the game of the week.
2: I might throw Bengals and Chiefs up there, but
0: yeah. We'll get to and and we'll get to that one. We'll definitely get to that one. Um, but so moving, far, I
2: guess. <laughs> game yeah, of the week. Out of, so so, far. out of the ones we've covered so far, yes.
0: <laughs> Alright, so let's get another contender then for potential game of the week in there, and that is an NFC East matchup between the Commanders and the Giants. Uh Giants lose on Thanksgiving to the Cowboys, Commanders win like we talked about over the Falcons in a low-scoring fashion that has been sort of typical of the Taylor Heineke-led Commanders. And so my question is the same that I have every week. Does Taylor Heineke get a new pair of shoes? I'm, I'm firmly on the side of
2: no, but I'm gonna let Eric speak first here. No, I think I think
1: this is functionally just a pick em game. I think there's a lot of unpredictability on, on this front. The, the Giants haven't played well the past couple of weeks. The Commanders seem to be on the up- uh, upward trend here with their defense getting a little better uh, but not necessarily that much better um, so I, I think uh, the Giants should be able to get back in the form they just need to get stake on Barkley rolling again and I think they he has the capability to do that against this commanders team uh, the commanders team has been better against the run but I think the Giants should be able to be creative enough at home to, to beat this commanders team and they're, I'm going to take two points basically that the commanders are giving away here uh along with that so I'll take the Giants with the spread and straight
2: up man I was really really I I was so excited on like Thursday this week when this line was still at two and a half and all the projections that I was seeing were that it was favorable for the line to get up to a full field goal with the Giants that would have been game of the year for me because in my opinion this commander's defense this is the perfect spot to be on the Giants this week because I think I brought this up last year when the Commanders played the Giants. The Commanders' defense, while really stout up front, they still really struggle against mobile quarterbacks. And I know that I've brought this up a few times now, uh, even just in this episode. But this is a defense that gets way more credit for being strong and getting pressure on the quarterback um, when they're playing pocket passers. But when they come up against a guy like Daniel Jones, we saw even last year the Giants had success. And Daniel Jones ran all over this team because the commanders can't really deal with him once he gets out of that pocket and can create plays that way. So for me, I'm looking for Daniel Jones to be the leader in this game, which is a scary thing to say. But if you're going to give me two points and say that Daniel Jones running is more likely to be successful than Taylor Heineke with his aggressive passes, uh, unless Terry McLaurin just absolutely goes off, which is certainly possible... I think this game is going to be close-ish, but I would actually have the Giants favored by a couple points um, rather than the Commanders, especially in New York.
0: So I ended up taking the Giants to cover just because I think that's the smart hedge with what will be a pretty close game and them getting those two points. But I really do think the Commanders can win this game. I think it comes down to, for me... You're looking like you're going to need Daniel Jones to make a play and to not make a mistake. And anytime you're asking him to have to not make a mistake in what will probably be a low scoring game and what will probably be a pretty close game. I just don't have a ton of confidence that he won't ultimately make a mistake that allows the commanders to come in and win this game. Again, getting the points with the Giants, I think that's the smart pick. I'm taking them to cover, but I do think that the Commanders can go into East Rutherford and uh, pull one out.
2: Yeah, that's kind of interesting because I actually see this game kind of the flip-flop version. I actually think you're asking Taylor Heineke to not make a mistake. And for me, that's a more dangerous question even than asking Daniel Jones not to make a mistake. Sorry, Eric, go ahead. I cut you off there.
1: No, I think the only thing I'll say is that the Giants are the nfl leaders in blitz percentage so i think the biggest expectation is whether they can get to the quarterback if they can't get to the quarterback then terry mcmoren is gonna be wide open as uh brendan mentioned and he's gonna absolutely have a dominant game so that, that's i think how the Commanders gonna win uh but if, i think the giants are gonna put enough pressure on taylor Heinicke to kind of pull this game
0: out all right and so we will move off of that one again i think that could be a really good game i think that could be a contender for game of the week uh now another one where you have teams with two winning records coming into this, and to me, this seems like false advertising. This seems like a game that'll be pretty one-sided. That is Titans at Eagles. Eric, you don't see it that way, and maybe this is a, I wanna roll with my Titans, I feel pretty strongly about the Titans, or or maybe this is something else. How you break yeah. this one down? Okay.
1: I mean, for one, I think the Eagles defense is still susceptible to the run, and I think they're going to have a tough time against Derrick Henry, and when they focus, need to focus on Derrick Henry, I think Ryan Tannehill is getting in a groove and getting the play action going, and now able to get them to move their offense a little better as well. I think Chandler Burks is stepping up on the, on the rookie side, uh, the step in place of A.J. Brown, so this is a, is a revenge game. I, I do acknowledge that, so maybe the Eagles do have some fire in that aspect. But also, I, I think this is also just from a record standpoint. I just don't see the Eagles, I mean, winning out and going 16 and 1. I think this is one of those key games playing uh, against, still for me, an underrated team uh, to kind of pick up one of those losses. And I think the Titans are, are in prime like, standing to do that right now against the Titans. So that's why I'm taking the Titans with the spread, taking those four and a half points and then winning straight up as well.
0: Brendan, where do you fall on this sort of debate of. You know, this is either a going to be a closer game than most people expect, or it's going to be more of a lopsided game than most people expect. Where do you fall on that argument?
2: Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I think that this line favors the Titans big time. I think that this game should be probably closer to a field goal, um, but because the Titans lost last week, uh, it's 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 really unfortunate that they lost last week. Not necessarily because of that loss, but because it impacted this line. Um, I was fully expecting to love the Eagles coming into this week, but this line being at four and a half right now, it was at five and a half earlier this week. Um, I still think it favors the Titans to cover because uh, I agree with everything Eric said, but I am on the Eagles to cover and win because I cannot break my Titans hatred to take the Titans, despite the fact that I think the spread favors them. So, Go, Eagles, put up a bunch of points, and please find a way to stop Derrick Henry, even though I don't know that that's humanly possible. I feel like the correct uh, analogy, the the correct statement
0: you're trying to make is fly, Eagles fly. And I believe they will fly in this game. I, I think this is a game where the Titans have. Picked on some underperforming offenses in recent weeks um, in order to get some nice wins. You know, I think about their wins against Green Bay. I think about their wins against Denver. I don't think that the Eagles are that kind of team. Yes, Derrick Henry should absolutely get his in this game, but Derrick Henry gets his in most game, and I think the bigger question is is can the Titans stop Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, and company from getting theirs? Uh, given what we saw last week from the Eagles against that Packers team, especially that Eagles offense, I don't think they can. I think the Eagles come out here, they cover this four-and-a-half-point spread, and they win by probably about
2: a touchdown. I certainly hope so. I'm
0: excited for this one. I'm, I'm excited for this one. This could be my game of the week so far. Game of the week so <laughs> far. All right. So Eric has his pick for game of the week. I've made mine, I think, with that Jets and Vikings one. We'll see so if Brendan, where Brendan falls on the whole game of the week argument moving forward. One game that cannot possibly be the game of the week because the Denver Broncos are playing in it, and that is Broncos at Ravens. And the Ravens... Let's be honest, we're disappointing last week in their loss to the Jaguars. Uh, they once again lose a game where they have a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. That is a worrying trend. But l- let's be honest here, guys. If the Ravens have a double-digit lead in the any part of this game, do the Broncos really have enough offense to catch up?
2: I mean, the answer is no, but this 9.5-point spread is terrifying me because this is screaming backdoor. Uh, one thing that this Broncos team love to do is score late touchdowns that mean nothing, so uh, I'm fully expecting the Broncos to cover this with like a minute left and make me upset, but I, I can't back Russell Wilson and the very limited Broncos offense this year, so um, I- I'm going to take the Ravens looks like you boys are siding with me to cover the 9.5 and, and obviously take the win but uh, it's a very backdoorable spread, so hopefully no late touchdowns again against Baltimore.
1: I'm definitely nervous about this one as well. I don't even. I guess for me, I'm not nervous necessarily about backdoor. I think this just could be a low scoring game where it just how the Ravens played against the Panthers two weeks back as well, where they had a, a 13 to three win where they didn't put up a lot of point, uh, put up a lot of points, and we were very confused about their offense. Broncos defense is okay, at least on the upper echelon. I think. That have been carrying this team to not wins, but it sounds like they need more from their offense that they're not going to get. But with the over/under being 39 and a half right now, I- I'm just too scared that this game is going to be too low scoring for the Ravens to pull it Because I-, I think even go, go under that 39 and a half point total. Uh, so that's that's where I'm a little nervous at. But yeah, I think I'm going to side with you guys in uh, not picking against or not picking the Broncos over the past couple of weeks and-, and finally take their opponent here.
0: Yeah, after two weeks of disappointing football, especially with regard to the line from the Ravens, I was tempted. But the Broncos hater in me just had to uh, roll with the Ravens in this one. So I think the Ravens do enough to cover. It would not surprise me if this was another 13-3 to game like we saw two weeks ago when the Panthers came to Baltimore. But 13-3 to would be enough to get it done against this spread. So uh, that's just the way I am rolling. Um, now sticking in the AFC North. Uh, And this game is intriguing for a lot of reasons that I don't necessarily love to talk about, um, but that is Browns at Tekken, Texans. Uh, And so this is the first week that Deshaun Watson is back uh, off of his suspension. He will be getting the start for the Browns by all accounts. He is facing his former team in the stadium he used to call home. It is an eight-point line. All that being said, gentlemen, do we expect the Watson-led Browns to be able to cover this line? Do we expect the Texans to maybe backdoor this thing? Do we expect the Texans to maybe be motivated out of their skulls and actually pull off an upset? What direction are we going?
2: Can the Texans actually be motivated? Like, is that a thing? I, I mean, I know that this is their former quarterback coming into town and, like, it's his first game that he's played in, like, two years, but most of these Texans players weren't even here when he was in Houston. So I don't know that that's the narrative. Granted, they don't really want him coming in and dominating them either, but that hasn't stopped other teams from doing that against Houston this year. Um, And I I would argue that it's not the Deshaun Watson-led Browns coming into town. It's the Nick Chubb-led Browns coming to town. And for that reason, I think that this is an easy Browns win. Uh, But this is actually two of the very, very worst defenses against the run in the NFL. Uh, Actually, the two dead last against the run, Cleveland being number 32, Houston being number 31 in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs this season, so for me, it's a big Nick Chubb, Damian Pierce fantasy points put-up, fantasy points showdown, Um, but if you're going to give me Nick Chubb in a running back competition, I will happily take Nick Chubb over the majority of running backs in the NFL, so eight-point spread, I think it's going to be a lot of running game, I think the clock's going to disappear very quickly in this game so i will take the points Uh, i have the texans covering that eight point spread um the money and the sharp movement this week agrees with us um but i do have the browns coming out with the win in houston
1: i mean he basically gave me all my points as well i mean the, the texans are giving up the most yards per game in the league on the defensive side of the ball and they're playing against nick chubb who has the third most rushing yards in the league so i i don't care who's playing quarterback as long as he doesn't really mess it up and i don't think uh their quarterback is going to mess it up in the browns so i think they're just going to keep giving the ball to nick chubb all he needs to do is hand the ball off and i think nick chubb's going to run away with it and i don't think the texans are going to score enough points to uh, to cover this line i think the browns are going to win by 10 points probably so that's why i'm taking the browns with the spread here with the eight points they're laying down
0: yeah I was tempted to go Browns, but frankly, I would love for the Texans to just win this game outright. I don't think they will. But for that reason, uh, maybe for more so hopeful than actually analytical, uh, I will take the Texans with the spread, but the Browns to win. Now, another game moving on in this one where there's a pretty high spread. moves It's uh, moved away all the way up to seven points and that is the Seahawks taking on the Rams. And really the only question I have for you guys in this one is, is there any reason to be hopeful about the Rams in this game?
2: I mean, if you have Kyron Williams in fantasy, you could maybe be hopeful that he does something. But other than that, I don't think that this Rams offense is going to be able to do much, uh, especially not with Matt Stafford most likely out still. I can't imagine that he comes back to play, given that this is a lost season for them uh, and all the other injuries that they're carrying with him. I will say that I had some pause with this spread once it hit the full seven points because I don't think that it's going to take much um, from the Seahawks to win this game so it could just be kind of a get a lead give the ball to Kenneth Walker let him do his thing kind of game and uh, the seven points is kind of dangerous for them to cover but uh, again I don't think that this Rams offense will be able to put up that many points, so I just couldn't get myself to take them. Eric, yeah, any, any other know, thoughts? I don't, I don't really have
1: that much to add. I mean, it's a divisional game, so maybe it's close like you're suggesting, but unless you're seeing Geno Smith fall off a cliff as well, I, I mean, the Rams don't have anything in offense anymore, and they know it's a lost season. They don't have much to – they don't want to lose out technically because they don't have their pick anymore. It's with the Detroit Lions, but I don't know. It doesn't sound like they want to play too much of the rest of the season, so I, I'll just roll the a safe team that's in playoff contention
0: here who wants it more. Yeah. Seahawks cover, Seahawks win. I think pretty easy. Nothing more to add there. Definitely not a contender for game of the week. One that is a lot more interesting, though, uh, staying in the NFC West, is the Dolphins traveling to the 49ers. This game is a four-point spread. uh, 49ers the favorites at home and is sort of the Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, who can run the same offense better matchup here. Um, so I'm interested to see how you boys break this one down. Eric, I want to start with you because I think you're a little bit less infatuated with this 49ers team than certainly I am, but I think also uh, a little bit less high on them than Brendan as well. Honestly, it's
1: tough because I, I do think both of these teams are still a overrated from my ask from my, from my point of view. The Dolphins don't have a great defense. They've been playing a little better lately. 49ers do have a good defense, but I'm not that impressed with what they have on the offense side of the ball. Aliza uh, Mitchell is now injured, and Christian McCaffrey is fully healthy, but seems to have some lingering concerns about his needs. So um, at least something to watch for. So we'll see how much full action he gets. Hopefully they pull him out to like his fullest capacity. But otherwise, I, I don't know if they're going to put Debo Samuel back in the backfield. I, I just don't know if the 49ers' offense can... Do what they want to do and they're going to be jealous of what they're going to see on the Dolphins side of the ball who have a lot more faster players. Raheem Mostert is fully healthy with Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, former players of the San Francisco 49ers and we're going to have Tyreek Hill and Jaden Waddle just run free uh, against this, this defense. I, I think while I do respect for the, the 49ers defense, they don't give up a lot of big plays. I think the Dolphins uh, with Michael Dan at the helm has an idea of how to scheme against them and I think that's to their advantage and I think they're going to play well against this 49ers team uh, in, in San Francisco I- I'm also going to take the four points that the 49ers are giving away as the home favorites so I- I'll take the Dolphins uh, plus four and also the win straight up just because I-, I think they have the capability to do it and I- I- like 49ers are still on the overrated aspect on my end I-, I think they're contenders but I still think they're not like necessarily good to roll over every team from my point
2: of view. Yeah, I fully agree that the that the 49ers are overrated. I'm I I don't, I don't even know if I would say that I'm higher on them than you, John. I, I know that you mentioned that briefly just a second ago. No, but.
0: I definitely think I'm higher than you are. I just think oh, you're okay. higher I, than Eric.
2: Sure. I, I, I miss I misheard you then. Um yeah I think that this 49ers team, their defense is kind of the calling card that everybody looks at when they look at this 49ers team this year, but they haven't really played anybody that's all that good on offense. The only team that I would argue that they played that had a dominant offense, top five offense in the NFL, is the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes and company put up 44 points on this 49ers defense uh, in the middle of the season. So I'm fully expecting this Dolphins-led offense, or this Dolphins offense led by Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, you know, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, Tua Tagovailoa, I think that they'll be able to put up plenty of points against this 49ers team. Um, So I'm taking the Dolphins to cover. It looks like uh, we've got all three of us on that side. They're getting four points. Um, But uh, John and I are actually on the 49ers to win. I I do think this game will be closer, and I just couldn't get myself to take the Dolphins to win because they are traveling from East Coast to West Coast, and I just don't like the spot for them necessarily.
0: I mean, you know how I feel about the 49ers. I love this team. I love the way they're coached. I love this offense. I love this defense. Uh, And so I do pick them to win, but I do think that – This is a offense that will test them, that they will be able to move the ball with Hill and Waddle in particular. Um, It does worry me from a Dolphins perspective that this is the stoutest running defense in the NFL in the 49ers. And I think so much of what Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan want to do is predicated off the threat of the run. And so it'll be interesting to see whether or not The Dolphins can get enough of a running game going where they can, you know, make the 49ers defense think instead of react and create those windows for uh, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's enough. I still think the Dolphins end up losing this game, even if it may only be like a field goal affair. So, yeah, this, this should be a fun one. Absolutely. And that leads us into another fun one. And maybe we can finally put the game of the week discussion to bed after this one. And that is Chiefs at Bengals, a rematch of last year's AFC championship game. Uh, The Bengals come into this one tied with the Ravens for the lead in the AFC North. Um, So they definitely have plenty to play for. But the Chiefs are the road favorites, two-point favorites. And so this is a pretty big game, guys, in determining are the Chiefs legitimately the best team in the AFC, can they come out and beat another good team in the Bengals and then the Bengals as they try and claw their way back to the top of the AFC North? So my question is uh to you guys and I'll start with Brendan, do you think the Bengals make the Chiefs sweat again in this one or do you think the Chiefs are here for revenge after that AFC Championship game loss?
2: Yeah, I, this one's tough for me because despite the fact that it's a 2-point spread, I think that that's pretty accurate because I actually think that both the Chiefs and Bengals are still pretty heavily overrated in the market um, just based on their offenses alone. I, I I have a hard time imagining that either defense will be able to do a whole lot. The thing that gives me pause a little bit with the Bengals is I don't think Jamar Chase is fully healthy yet. And despite the fact that he's had full practices Reports say that he's felt fine. I think once he gets to game speed, that's going to be really telling. And if he's not fully healthy, he could be used more as a decoy than anything, which, while effective, is not anywhere near his um, impact on the game that he would have if he's making plays out there. So I do have confidence that the Bengals be able to put up some points against this Chief defense. But um, all that being said, I'll take the Chiefs to cover the two points and get the win just because – I think that they are the better team than the Bengals.
0: Eric, do you have a little bit more faith in the Bengals in this one? Or are you also rolling with the Chiefs?
1: I'm also rolling the Chiefs just because I believe they're the better team. I am a little spooked that Brendan and I are both on the Chiefs to obviously cover and also win straight up, uh, depending on where you're going to go, John. Because I-, I don't like, I'm not going to rely on my bet, I guess, on Chase possibly playing as a decoy, I guess. I, I think if they're playing him, I think he's going to be fully healthy. Um, I've kind of. Jamar Chase out before and he's proven me wrong so I guess I'm not going to rely on that aspect and to the Bengals credit they've had wide receivers uh, in different games go for 100 yards over 100 yards against this Kansas City Chiefs defense the the Bengals have won two straight last year against Kansas City Chiefs once in the playoffs and once in the regular season Jamar Chase one of the games went for 266 yards so they definitely have every capability to kind of blow up against this defense, but I think the Chiefs have stabilized on the defensive side of the ball, and I think the Bengals are not necessarily playing that well on the on their defensive side of the ball, and I think the Chiefs have figured it out in offense, um, and, and I'm, I'm going to roll with them on aspect. I think one of the uh, players that I'm less confident in playing is, is possibly Joe Mixon. I'm not sure how he played today as the day of recording, but he's been out with concussion protocol over the past week and a half and it doesn't sound favorable with him still on concussion protocol as of Friday um so they'll won't have Joe Mixon possibly and they might have Smadji P. Ryan in the backfield again that might be a factor as well so I think that's for those reasons I'm going to go with the Chiefs um with the two points they're laying down
0: yeah and I'll complete the sweep I I don't think the Chiefs are a great team I, I think you know they are nine and two they are the best record in the AFC and if you know you put me on the spot I would say yeah they're probably the best team in the AFC but I don't think that makes them a great team uh, in terms of the sum of their parts Uh, they have a great player in Patrick Mahomes you know they have Travis Kelsey who's obviously a great weapon but overall I don't know that they're a great team but I I do think that this Bengals team is just not good enough compared to where the Chiefs are I think they've taken a larger step back from where they were last year uh, than the Chiefs have I mean you know The Chiefs, I don't even know if you could say they've taken a step back. I think they've just sort of jogged in place, which is impressive since they lost Tyreek Hill, obviously. But all that being said, yeah, I just think the Chiefs are able to get this done. I don't expect it to be in dominant fashion by any mean. But I think it is enough to cover the two points and to be the first team... Uh, in the AFC to 10 wins.
2: Yeah, it looks like as far as the Joe Mixon front, we're still waiting on an injury report for Saturday. Um, But uh, I would expect him to play as long as he gets uh, pulled out of concussion protocol today, which would be the day that he most likely is taken off of it. So um, we should have news on that within a few hours. Obviously, if he's in, I would start him in fantasy as an RB1 confidently against a middle-of-the-pack Chiefs defense against the running backs and... If he's not in, then Samaj P. Ryan is a candidate for another decent week in fantasy, I think. So um, we'll have to see. I do like the Bengals' offense a lot more when Joe Mixon's in it because I think they're more dynamic that way. But uh, this should be a fun one regardless, and I can confidently say now that my game of the week has come and gone.
1: Brendan, would you would you consider starting Joe Mixon if he was out? I would
2: not. That would not be wise. All right,
1: okay. Well, for those of you listening, Joe uh, Brendan and I are, do have a fancy matchup this week, so it is it is significant if Joe some plays
2: or not. It's a big one. It's, it's a very big one because whoever wins this most likely or greatly improves their odds of making the playoffs, and and it's out of us two and two other teams. I think right now only three of the four can make it, so it's uh, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks.
0: Yeah, and speaking of teams uh, looking to make the playoffs, that transitions pretty nicely into our next game with the Chargers coming off of. I just want to put this out here that that was the the pick I made last week with the Chargers and the Cardinals was the best pick I have made all season. I picked the Chargers to win and the Cardinals to cover what was I think like a two and a half point spread and the Chargers won by one point. So just wanted to toot my own horn a little bit there. That being said, the Chargers are now road underdogs against a vegas team that's coming off an overtime win over the seahawks so am i crazy to believe that the chargers can still win this thing
2: no i mean both of these te- I, I, look every week it's like the raiders should cover and they should win or whatever if they're playing a middle of the pack team every single week i'm looking at this and i'm like this is a no-brainer raiders should cover i'll take them to get the win you know they're giving away two and a half points even though early in the week they were actually getting two points Um, To me, that says that more likely than not, Josh Jacobs is going to play, which is a big impact on the game. But the Raiders have so many playmakers. I mean, they have Devontae Adams, who is is probably the best player in this game outside of Austin Eckler. Um, I I mean, the Raiders should win this game, but will they? I I don't know. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I fully believe that the Raiders could win or lose by 20 points to any team in the NFL on any given week. So... I will begrudgingly take the Raiders to win and cover. But no, you're absolutely not crazy to think that this Chargers team should get the win.
1: Wait, just to be clear, John, is that the way you're leaning? Yeah, I think Are the Chargers win this game because
0: I... Uh, simply on the fact that I do not spec, expect any measure of consistency from the Raiders. And so they won last week. I expect them to sort of fall back into their inconsistent hellhole that they've lived in all year and lose this one to the chargers
1: that's definitely fair and i think for for me i'm also rolling with the raiders with brendan on this one i think for me i continue to think the raiders are underrated and sounds like they're starting to prove it of late they burned me in the middle of the season before but uh if I my they back to last, or if i look back at last season they won five or last seven games and i think they could going hot streak again because they do have the talent as Brendan mentioned and this is a susceptible Chargers team to the run in particular and Josh Jacobs has been one of the best running backs in the league um, and that helps Devontae Adams as well so I think they're definitely motivated off their two game win streak and I think they definitely could start feeling uh, their groove against this Chargers team so that's on the roll with the Raiders uh, playing at home um, but I, I guess we'll have to see which way this rolls because I I mean to John it could go roll out of the way, because Justin Herbert's getting his, his weapons back as well. And uh, with Keenan Allen being healthy and him figuring out what he wants out of DeAndre Carter and Joshua Palmer, Austin Eckler still rolling. I, they definitely have the pieces to win this game, but I think with a divisional matchup, this is basically a toss-up. I'm gonna roll with the
2: Raiders, who's been a little more hot lately. It does make it feel a little bit better that Eric is on the same side as me. That way, if if the Raiders blow this, then I, I can feel a little bit better about myself. R-
1: Real quick, since, since we did talk about the playoffs, uh, and we just talked about the Chargers, with uh, the Chargers, the Jets, and the Bengals already on the games we talked about, they're basically at the six, seven, eight spot of fighting for. Basically last two spots, I guess. And uh, they have all plus odds to not make the playoffs. So Jets are plus 100 to not make the playoffs. Uh, Chargers are plus 115 to not make the playoffs. And Bengals are plus 190 to not make the playoffs. I guess, are any of those of any intrigue with only,
0: I guess, two spots remaining for those three teams? So we're betting on a team to not make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, basically the worst team. And does, that, does those plus odds have any interest? Because basically what, like the... The Jets have plus 100, so those might be too
0: close for you, for example. I mean, that has to be the Chargers if you're going to bet one of those, right? Because Chargers going to Charger. That's probably true.
1: I mean, we all have – we all basically, a lot of us, I guess, have all three of these teams losing. Some of us have all three of these teams losing this week. So it could be the week for us to
2: make that bet if we do – where to pick one of these teams. Uh, I mean, for me, I think the Bengals actually have the most difficult schedule going through the last five weeks of the season. So – that intrigues me a little bit, but uh, I would still lean toward the Jets, actually, of those three to miss, just because I think that there are some losable games for them toward the end of the year. They have Buffalo next next week. Uh, obviously, they have Minnesota this week, who we've already covered, and they still have to play Seattle and Miami to finish off the season. Those are all losable games to me. You throw in Detroit and Jacksonville um, as the other two games to round out their season, and I don't know that the Jets – get as many wins as they need to squeak it. all
0: right so it
1: sounds like john's on the chargers and, and brendan's on the jets yeah despite
0: Wait, the, despite yeah. me having the chargers win this week yeah
1: i mean i thought it was worth it i thought it was worth an ask it sounds definitely interesting if, if anybody's paying attention to those those plus odds on, on that front um with the playoffs kind of rolling into action in the next couple of weeks
0: yeah so we'll, we'll have to see how that all shakes out at the bottom of the AFC could be very interesting. Now, a game that I don't expect to be super interesting, uh, the first of two lackluster primetime games, in my opinion, and that is the Sunday night game between the Colts and the Cowboys. It's in Dallas, and the Cowboys are 10.5-point favorites. And so I think it's pretty safe to say that none of us would pick the Colts to win this one straight up. But do any of you guys think that the Colts may come out here and cover in this one?
1: I'll take the Colts to cover. I think they've played some games close over the past three weeks uh, since Jeff Saturday has taken the helm. I don't know if any credit. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Probably should give him the credit. I don't know. Maybe he's been a firm hand in, in this, some of these uh, close games. But I think that they have every capability to play a close game against this, this Cowboys team. And I don't think the Cowboys team necessarily need to blow this team out to win uh, and with 10 and a half points being given away I could see the Colts sneaking in under 10 points because I think they have the weapons uh, in Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman uh, hopefully Matt Ryan's perfectly okay in this primetime game um, to, to show up against this defense and I, I think I think they'll play well in, in primetime um, so I'll, I'll take the Colts with the ten and a half
0: points that you're giving me with uh, the Cowboys still to win all right so I'll follow that up Eric and say that you know I think it's possible that the Colts back to recover this one as well because, like you said, Jeff Saturday I think has lit a fire under this Colts team and they're playing better football. Now, it you know this is a tough environment. The Cowboys defense is very formidable. You know it, it will be a question of like you said whether Matt or Ryan can show up. I may be a little bit less confident than than you in that regard. But all that being said, um, I do think that the Colts can go in there and cover this one so my question is to you Brendan do you make it a clean sweep in terms of a Colts cover I don't
2: actually I had some technical difficulties there so I missed a little bit of what Eric was saying but I'm back I can hear you guys obviously now um, I have the Cowboys covering this ten and a half and a half point spread because look I don't have any confidence in Matt Ryan being able to get the ball out of his hand quick enough and it, we've seen already when he's under pressure this year he's just looking to not take hits so he's going to throw the ball quickly I expect Paris Campbell to get a lot of targets, despite the fact that they're only going to be about one yard away from the line of scrimmage. Um, I I don't see a way that the Colts offensive line can hold this Cowboys blitz package at bay. So for me, I it's a lot more like the game that we saw from the Cowboys Vikings earlier this year, except the Colts offense greatly downgraded from the Vikings offense. So I'm expecting Matt Ryan to see a lot of pressure. I don't think that he will be able to do a whole lot similar to the way that Kirk Cousins wasn't able to do a whole lot um, when the Vikings played them. So I'll take the co- the Cowboys to win this straight up and cover the ten and a half points. Um, I actually don't think it would be surprising to see the Colts get shut out in this game. Wow,
0: big sh- big call there for the Colts shutout. We'll definitely have to uh, follow up on that one. Uh, But yeah, other than that, I think that's really the only intrigue in that game is whether or not the Colts will end up covering that spread. I would be shocked if the Cowboys do not win that game and continue their pursuit of the Eagles trying to chase them down for that division title in the NFC East. Um, Now, speaking of division titles, that does segue really nicely into our last game on this slate, and that is Saints at Buccaneers. Now, neither of these teams are very good. Neither of these teams are coming off very good performances in Week 12 where the Saints were shut out in the Bay Area losing to San Francisco and the Buccaneers lost in overtime to the Cleveland Browns. All that being said, this game is immensely important in terms of who is going to win the the NFC South. And so I'll pose the question to you guys. Which team do you have more confidence coming into this one? This game is in Tampa. The Bucs are three and a half point favorites. Does that mean anything to you? Does
2: it mean anything to me? I mean, it means that both of these teams suck because they're terrible teams. And the winner of this game likely has inside position on winning the division. So I am going to lean to the Saints, mostly because I think that the Buccaneers are still overrated in the market. I don't think this game should be three and a half points. I would have it closer to a pick 'em. Um Marshawn Lattimore uh, has been practicing this week. He's on track to come back and play. I fully expect him to be back in this game because his favorite thing to do in the world is hassle uh, Mike Evans. So he will probably get under Mike Evans' skin. That will have an impact on this game once again. And the Saints have recently owned the Buccaneers, despite the fact that they lost earlier in the season to this Buccaneers team. I still have the Saints coming out with a win and obviously they're giving or they're getting three and a half points in this game so uh they'll cover in my book as well
0: eric are you on the saints to cover this one as well or maybe even go all the way like brendan and pull out the win yeah i
1: think i'm right along with brendan on this one as well it's tough because i always like i I mean i I, it's hard to go against tom brady and what the weapons he has on the offense side of the ball but the saints always seem to be anomaly for him as brendan mentioned uh, Tom Brady is basically one and four or is mm-hmm. one and four when he since joined the Buccaneers against the Saints in the regular season. So Tom Brady seems to struggle against the Saints team. Uh it, it's not even just Marshawn Lattimore, I think, against Mike Evans. Like it's it's Tom Brady as a whole that seems to be perplexed by this team from, from my from my point of view. So I think this is just could be one of those games where I believe last season the Saints beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers nine to zero and which was a complete anomaly at the time as well. So I think uh, if, you're, if you're giving me that and the Saints have weapons, Alvin Kamara seems to be healthy. Uh, Chris Olave is is still a prime rookie uh, wide receiver for them. I, I think they, they could still play well against the Buccaneers team. And to completely throw this NFC South into complete shambles with the Panthers on bye. also eight losses, they could be only one game back if the Saints win this game to also make the playoffs. So the Saints uh panthers falcons buccaneers call be in in, in this race uh, in this last six weeks
0: i this is where i come at this one from my perspective this has been a tampa bay team that has not lived up to any expectations this season basically whatsoever i think they were clearing away the favorites to win this division they have not separated themselves from a bunch of mediocre if not worse teams That being said, as you guys have pointed out, the expectation is for them to struggle against the Saints. They didn't struggle against the Saints in the first matchup this season. I think this Saints team has gotten worse since that first matchup of the season, while the Buccaneers, I don't want to say they've gotten better because they they definitely haven't, but I think they've maybe learned a little bit more about themselves, come up with a slightly better game plan week to week. Uh, And so I think they're going to defy expectations once again by beating the Saints in this one. Uh, I just haven't, I know the Buccaneers offense isn't good, but I think it's much better than where the Saints are, especially seeing them get shut out. I, I really wish the Saints would end up making a quarterback change, whether that's you know, full-time Wildcat Taysom Hill weird quarterback play or, you know, trying to go back to Jameis Winston, although, you know, hard to say how healthy he is having suffered that back injury. All that being said, I just don't know that the Saints have enough points in them to beat a Buccaneers team that probably is only going to score 14 or 17 points somewhere in that area.
2: Yeah, I actually would say that the Buccaneers did struggle in that first game against the Saints. I mean, they only had like 250 yards of offense, I'm pretty sure. Uh, They were helped out a lot by three interceptions and a couple of fumbles uh, from the Saints, and I'm not saying that that can't happen again this week. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm fully on board with the Saints needing to shake up their offense. I don't think Andy Dalton is doing anything that's helping them right now. Um but, I mean, you mentioned that the expectation is that the Buccaneers are going to come in and struggle. I don't think that this line says that that's the expectation. No, but I mean, that's the, the storyline.
0: That's the storyline, right? Is this, The storyline, the expectation that so many people have is that when the Buccaneers play the Saints, they struggle.
2: Sure, but this line is not saying that. So, for me, it's kind of a conflicting thing there because the storyline says that they should struggle and the line says that they won't struggle because they're favored to win by three and a half points. So... I'm on the side that the Saints are getting three and a half points. I'll take that happily. And um, when it comes to straight up, for me, I think that this game is kind of a toss up. I think it should be closer to, you know, pick them. So, I for I mean, I guess I'll take the Saints because I don't expect that this Tom Brady offense is going to get things completely figured out this week. Maybe they still have time this year uh, to figure things out heading into the playoffs, but. I don't think that it's going to be this week that they kind of have everything click. And that is very fair. It would set up, like we mentioned, a very
0: interesting finish uh, to the season in the NFC South. So if you're rooting for chaos, you're definitely rooting for the Buccaneers in that one. Uh, let's go to our finish for the show, though, and uh, let's start that finish with the fantasy segment. Eric, take us away. Yeah,
1: let's roll right in the starts of the week where we must pick a running back and wide receiver to score 10 points to qualify. Uh, I mean, Brendan, do you want to start us off? You always have you always first on
2: our list here. I would happily start us off here. I'm going to roll with Damian Pierce, who's ranked number 17 against the Cleveland Browns this week. Uh, He has had two abysmal weeks the last couple weeks, and it's been a while since he scored a touchdown. Um, But I'm expecting that to change this week. He's been uh, really inefficient the last two weeks. Um, I think he's only been a couple yards a carry at best. Uh, Fantasy managers have been... uh, Panicking, to say the least, I think, with Damian Pierce. And this is the week that you need to just kind of trust the process. He's playing against the worst rushing defense in the NFL, uh, in the Cleveland Browns, right next to his own team, the Texans, that is. But um, I think that this is going to be plenty of opportunity for Damian Pierce to get in the end zone, break off a couple big runs. So uh, he's one of the main reasons I have the Texans covering that game, as we already talked about earlier. So I think he'll have a decent finish at number 17. Uh, And then for my wide receiver, I'm going to roll with uh, Joshua Palmer, who's currently sitting at number 28 against the Vegas Raiders in that matchup that we talked about earlier between two very underperforming teams, to say the least, this year. Uh, The Raiders are terrible when it comes to fantasy wide receivers. Uh, Nope, they are not terrible. Actually, they're number 21 now in schedule-adjusted. They were... Uh, Pretty low in the league, but uh, I like Joshua Palmer in the spot to get the job done. I think Keenan Allen being back to be part of that offense really helps things flow for the Chargers. So from that aspect, I'm expecting some success. But uh, as we already talked about, I do have Vegas winning that game. So I think the Chargers are going to have to throw the ball a little bit to get the job done. And I think this is a Joshua Palmer week.
1: I like it. I like it. I think we're going back to the wall sometimes with Joshua Palmer, though. I might be incorrect. But I like it. I like the confidence. And I believe he's in your starting lineup as well, Brendan. So I love him confidence.
2: He certainly uh, is.
1: John, how about you? How are you feeling?
0: So I had a tough one this week. And I went with two people who I like the touchdown upside, particularly with these guys. The first one, my running back, Gus Edwards. I just think that... You know, against a Ravens team that is going to need to grind out drives and you may end up with a lot of sort of short goal to go situations. I think Gus Edwards is a good bet to fall into the end zone and to get himself, uh, you know, a touchdown, get himself over that 10 point margin. Um, so I roll with him at number 28 and then someone that I know Brendan and I have at least talked about off air I don't know if any of that's ever you know I can't remember if any of that's ever leaked on air but Brandon Ayuk just seems especially in big games for the 49ers to find his way into the end zone as a Debo Samuel fantasy owner that is often frustrating so hopefully I turn that frustration into a little bit of good fortune for me this week uh, I'll put Brandon Ayuk up there in that matchup against the Dolphins as the number twenty-two wide receiver. Now, does that apply
2: that. if does that apply if Debo Samuel is not going to play? Because I think he's doubtful this week. So maybe there's there's not that angle this week, John. Have you considered that? I mean, doesn't that help my Brandon Ayuk case more than it hurts it? No, no, no. Debo I Sam- I agree. I agree. From a from an analytical standpoint, yes, it helps Brandon Ayuk. But the whole like joke narrative of he gets the touchdown when Debo Samuel gets the yards is is isn't there right now.
0: (laughs) I don't even it's not even if when Debo Samuel gets the yards. It's that I own Debo Samuel. I expected Debo Samuel to be much more like last year Debo Samuel, even after Jimmy Garoppolo took back maybe even more so after Jimmy Garoppolo took back over the starting job. And yet it's Brendan Ayuk more often than not that is the star wide receiver in this offense for San Francisco this year.
2: No, I love it. I love the brandon Iuk pick. I think that this is a big wide receiver matchup for the 49ers uh against this Miami secondary. So I, I don't have any issue. Uh I just wanted to get your take on the whole Debo thing again. Yeah. No, Debo's
0: been pretty disappointing more often than not. Um hopefully that's not the case this week as uh i want the 49ers to win and i think the 49ers are a lot better when he plays better but uh i do like to have that little emotional hedge in brandon Ayuk. (laughs)
1: loving loving it loving the emotional hedge as well all right i'm i'm going to top us off here i have deandre swift as my running back uh basically secondary running back for the detroit lions with John williams being much ranked much higher in fantasy aspects Uh, For the past couple of weeks now, he seems to be the favorite one to score a touchdown. But DeAndre Swift has come off the injury report, and he has a favorable matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars as a receiving back. So I think that's all in his favor. He's ranked number 30 on Fantasy Pros. We'll see how far, if at all, that goes up. But I think I'm getting a top-notch bargain here uh, with DeAndre Swift in in this game. And for my wide receiver, I'm staying in this game because, as we mentioned earlier, this game, the Detroit Lions versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, has a high over-under. So I'm going to stick to one of these games where we could have a lot of points scored. And I'm going to roll with Zay Jones, who continues to get ladled of targets, particularly over the past two weeks. Um, He was one of the top wide receivers last week in particular. I believe he had like 14 targets, maybe, Uh, as Trevor Lawrence seems to be stepping up. And that comeback win against the Baltimore Ravens. So I think with a more favorable matchup in the D- Detroit Lions secondary, I'm liking having Zay Jones at number 32, one of the deeper
0: options as compared to my co-hosts here for starts of the week. Yeah, Zay Jones, my uh, my Devo Samuel replacement should Devo not actually be good to go. So I like that pick
2: here. All right. Honestly, I, I would it. start Zay Jones over Debo Samuel anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Maybe I just will. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, let's roll the starts of the week here. I think we have some interesting ones this week. Uh, starting us off is the running back combos of Isaiah Pacheco, Ezekiel Elliott, or Gus Edwards. Uh, playing some interesting matchups this week that I won't go into. But who who are you guys rolling with between these three players?
2: I see what you're doing here, Eric. You're looking for me to give you some advice on how you can beat me this week in fantasy. and I'm not going to fall for it. Okay, so then who are you picking? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I guess... In the spirit of the show, I'll give you my pick. I, I genuinely think Ezekiel Elliott is a smash play this week. I think he uh, falls into the end zone. But um, after the Cowboys take their big lead that I'm expecting against the Colts, uh, he probably takes a seat in the second half for a while and lets Tony Pollard uh, handle the job. So I think this is closer than advertised, and I think there's an argument for all three of these guys. I mean, one of them being John's start of the week. I'm going to roll with Zeke, but... Uh, I think there are three good fantasy options this week.
1: I think we have to call in the question. I think we have to call in the question how, how genuine Brennan is. So we'll have to revisit this next
2: week whether he was right or not. <laughs> but John, well, right. how about this? How Andy about Kuspo's? how about how about if I'm wrong, I'll just say that I was in, I was intentionally giving you bad information.
1: Look at these mind games at play here. Do you believe them, folks? We'll love we'll to see. All right. <laughs> John, let's hear your advice since you are a third party here in this in this matchup.
0: No, like I said in the start of the week, I'm all aboard the Gus bus. I think that he has higher fantasy upside in terms of that touchdown than even Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Pacheco, hard for me to get excited about just because the Chiefs' offense is – I never know what to expect from their running backs. And so it's – you know, Pacheco could go off in this matchup against the Bengals And it would not surprise me, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he got like five touches for 13 yards.
1: Yeah, that's completely fair. But I'm going to roll with Pacheco, mostly because I'm, again, picking another game with a high over-under. The over-under for the line of the chiefs Bengals 53. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored, and I think Pacheco could get in from the goal line. He's had at least 15 touches over the past three games, and he's getting the opportunity, which I am a little more cautious about in the Zeke Elliott front with Tony Pollard getting a lot more carries. And uh, we'll see how the offense plays out for the Baltimore Ravens. So that's I'm a little confident with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs offense, and I think that's why I'm going to roll with him this week. All right, let's 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 roll into a tight end matchup then, if you will, boys. We have Greg Dulcich, tight end for the Denver Broncos, versus Taysom Hill, tight end slash quarterback slash gadget player for the New Orleans Saints. Which one do you think will score more fancy points this week? The Broncos uh, offense is...
0: The Broncos offense is gross, so do
2: not go with Greg Dolchitz. Taysom Hill all the way. Your turn to give me fantasy advice, Eric. I'm not,
1: I don't know if I'm trying to give you fantasy advice. We'll have to see if I'm correct or not.
2: What I will say is that both of these are gross options for a tight end. So uh, I was put in the unfortunate spot earlier in the season with a bunch of uh, top-tier running backs. Brees Hall going down, Javante Williams going down. I was kind of had my hand forced to give away Mark Andrews Uh, for Joe Mixon to get uh, some more stability in my running back room, and that left me with Greg Dulcich and Taysom Hill here. So I don't have a lot of confidence in either of these, but in a very close matchup, as I'm projecting between you and I this week, Eric, I have to go with the guy who has the more upside, which is obviously Taysom Hill. I mean, if I needed to guarantee myself three points, sure, I'll take Greg Dulcich, uh, but I got to put the guy in my lineup who could just absolutely – Tear this entire fantasy matchup apart and win the week for me. So I'm going to roll with Taste Milk.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to advise you otherwise, Brendan. And I would suggest you go with Greg Dulcich for the Denver Broncos. And mm-hmm. here's my reasoning is <laughs> well, okay. So Corlin Sutton is on the injury report. He has been out with an illness. He hasn't practiced much this week. I think Greg Dulcich has gotten more reps with Russ Wilson for whatever that's worth. And I think he's going to get more targets because I think Jerry Judy has also been. Uh, a little iffy as well. I, I think he's been uh, removed off. Oh, actually, no, he might be a game time decision now that I'm reading this. So, I mean, they don't have a lot of receiving options, and I think they're going to need their rookie tight end to play more. I think he's going to get more action than what Taysom Hill is going to provide for uh, that Monday night football game against the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've been optimistic. At least I've been optimistic, maybe you have as well, about Taysom Hill's exposing this since his big game. Uh, but he hasn't necessarily done too much, despite what the Saints want to do with him over the past couple of weeks. So I think if might not be that much, uh, but I think Greg Dills is just going to be outscoring Taysom Hill this week.
2: Yeah, I have no confidence whatsoever in Taysom Hill. But, uh, you know, if I have to take either one of these guys to win a fantasy week, it is by a mile Taysom Hill. So for that reason, he's in my lineup currently instead of Greg Dulcich, although maybe I'll switch it up on you Eric. All
1: right uh, I love to hear it maybe maybe you will all right Let, let's let's do one with someone that's not in our lineup we did do John's lineup last week so I decided not to repeat it with uh, or at least go a triple sweep with all of our lineups. Uh, this one's off another team in one of our in our shared league we have Rashad White versus Ellen Lazard versus Zonovan Knight for the flex spot. I'm curious to know who you guys will expect to score more points this
0: week. So, to me, being someone who is on the Buccaneers to win that game in Tampa Bay, but not expecting a ton of, you know, not expecting, like, Tom Brady to go out here and throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns or anything like that, I'm going to roll with Rashad White. I think he is, you know, the lead back right now with with uh, Leonard Fournette banged up. And so I f- expect the Buccaneers to try and get the ground game going more than they have been able to in other games this season. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Rashad White find his way into the end zone. So for that reason, I'll roll with him.
2: I'm going to join John on the Rashad White train, not because I have the game script playing out the same way John does, but because I think Alan Lazard, he's not, he, he doesn't have the upside this week to me, even though they're playing this Bears defense that most of them wouldn't be able to start on other teams in the league because they traded away their best defensive players already. But all that being said, I think the Packers will be able to win that game if they win that game by giving the ball to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon as many times as they need to. Uh, When they need to get the ball in the air, uh, Christian Watson's been electric. Romeo Dobbs, I think is still on track to play this week. I haven't checked injury reports recently, Um, but I don't love the upside of Alan Lazard this week even though he's playing against the bears and Zonovan Knight is intriguing. I was really close to being on Zonovan's side this week because he's on track to get the lion's share of the carries. Um, I'm pretty sure Michael Carter has been announced out already, so he should have plenty of opportunity, but I just like uh, Rashad white. In this spot a little bit more than Zonovan. So Eric, are we clean sweeping Rashad White or no?
1: No, oh, I'm a little surprised you guys both on White at least that much confidence in White. I do believe Leonard Fournette has been removed off the injury report with the hit pointer. So yeah, I, I don't believe that White's necessarily going to take the lines here. So in terms of opportunity and basically how this game could play out, it sounds like White seems very risky to me. I guess all of these options... I guess the safest option might be Lazard, but he hasn't been that playing out well there. I don't know. It's, it's a tough option all around, which I guess why this isn't a question. I think I will roll Knight, as Brennan suggested, with Michael Carter being out. Is he was trusted with the carries last week with James Robinson being ruled out just uh, as a healthy scratch. James Robinson might play this week because Michael Carter's injured. Uh, Ty Johnson doesn't seem... I guess he also got carries last week as well, so I guess we'll have to see which way the Jets are going to roll. But Zondra Knight seems to have a lot of... Uh, hype train going on for him right now uh, as a promising rookie so i think i'm gonna roll a night in a possibly high scoring game against the minnesota vikings as opposed to we've actually got some that much more questionable
2: go ahead yeah we've actually got some breaking news here mid show i don't know if you guys just saw this but matthew stafford was just placed on the ir so it looks like he's most likely going to be done for the rest of the season with that neck injury so we do have a little bit of clarity in that seahawks Rams matchup this week
0: and I think John Walford was already named the starter prior to the recording. So, yes, yes. But, uh, yeah. Uh,
1: I'll name one other quick aside and fancy uh, aspect. Um, Brendan, it's my understanding that your matchup or, or your fancy team has Jimmy Garoppolo starting over uh, uh, or having, a, with Kyle Murray being on by, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Taysom Hill and Joshua Palmer are all starting. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I know those I know those are random former players, but I will also mention that I also have those players all starting in another league in that same scenario. So I don't know uh, how I, I feel in this matchup <laughs> playing against you because I also need to win in my other league. So
2: so if I lose both so of these you're leagues, really I'll hoping be so disappointed. <laughs> you're really hoping that your other players in your other league <laughs> blow up and those four have, have down weeks.
1: 100%. But also, if I lose both these games, I'll be so disappointed at our next recording. But All
2: right. I go digress. go Jimmy G and, <laughs> and Taysom Hill and everybody else, then. All
0: right. All right, John. Let's spin the wheel. All right. So we actually get a live spinning of the wheel this week. I will go ahead and take the first spin. It is it is my turn to go first. So let me give it a spin. All right. And it's it's ending on that game that I just can't seem to get away from uh saints at buccaneers and so is he gonna
2: take the bucks to cover
0: while that would be you know keeping with the what i've had you know going on here uh one of the things i see off the back when i pull up this game that has me intrigued uh after i just talked about expecting more of a run focus more of a ball control focus from this buccaneers team is that tom brady is plus 105 to throw under one and a half touchdowns so one or less touchdowns and I believe I saw this earlier where Tom Brady has only thrown two plus touchdowns in three games this season and so that seems like pretty easy money to me to think that in what will be a low scoring game I have no doubt about that that Tom Brady would you know just end up with maybe one Passing touchdown, and so while I'm betting on the Bucks, I'm maybe betting a little bit against the goat here by saying that he's only going to have one touchdown
2: or less. I'm kind of surprised you're getting plus money on that. I mean, I, I think that's I'm, I'm intrigued that, that that's plus 105. I would expect that to be negative odds there, but uh, there is some angle that you could argue that there's some positive touchdown regression coming for Tom Brady in this offense from the wide receiver in the passing game. Uh, but I, I love the pick to start, especially with, with getting plus odds.
0: All right, Eric, you take
1: us away then. All right, let me roll his wheel here live. Uh, and it looks like I'm landing on the Browns at Texans game, which I'm not happy about in particular. What a fun uh, game. Don't know who I would want to bet on because I don't know what's going to happen to the Browns offense, and the Texans aren't that good. But uh, I think just looking at their schedule, uh, or, or the games they played, the Texans in particular over the past couple of games, I, I'm going to roll with 11, to, Houston Texans scored 11 to 20 points at plus 130 in that in that range. It looks like the uh, Texans have like only put up 10 to 20 points over the past six games. While that 10 points does fall outside my range, I think with the uh, reasoning that Brendan has alluded to multiple times and Damian Pierce being able to run against this uh, Browns team, I think the The Texans should be more comfortable in scoring probably around the two-touchdown range, maybe a field goal and 17 points to to land within 11 to 20 points.
2: Eric loves him some 11 to 20-point team props. He does, absolutely. It's a running running theme in the wheel parlay. And and I can't believe we didn't mention this already, but guys, we hit on the wheel parlay last week. So we're we're up to three wins so far on the season. And that brings us to a whopping plus 31.36% on our wheel parlay this year. So we continue to just be hot and I'm going to finish off our wheel parlay. It, uh, the wheel was not, was not kind to me. It gave me commanders at giants. Uh, I am left with either a spread pick or a total. Um, and I'm looking right now, it looks like, I mean, one of my favorite bets of the week actually is the under on this. I would love it a lot more if it were at that 41, the key number of 41 there, but I'll take it at 40 and a half anyway. Uh, so I'll round us out with a with a, just a classic under 40 and a half there. It's getting 94% of the money on the under uh, with only 73% of the bets. So that, that tells me that some of the more intelligent, heavier minds in Vegas are on that under as well. So we'll take that. We'll run with it. That makes it a clean plus 800 for our wheel parlay this week. Uh, And that will be, uh, you know, maybe we can get our first winning streak going on this wheel. That would be a little ridiculous, but we are confirmed to be the best
0: music when it comes to wheel parlays this season. So maybe anything is possible. Anything but more from Line Em Up this week, because that does bring us to the end of the show. And what a show it was. Glad to have all the boys back in the proverbial studio, metaphorical studio here together and yeah, again, always makes me just excited for this NFL slate. Whenever I can talk football with you guys, man, it's always fun. Always I love,
2: I love getting on here and talking with you guys and and uh, giving our ridiculous opinions on on sports. But yeah, it's always a good time. And uh, make sure you check out Line em Up Pods Instagram. Uh, we're doing a little behind the behind the mic series where we get to know us three a little bit better so if you want to learn how ridiculous we are outside of the podcast go check that out as well yeah thanks for joining us
1: it's it's been definitely fun this week and hopefully you guys will join us again next week. all all of our co-hosts and also all of our listeners as we round out the end of the season
0: absolutely so come back again for the week 14 show and until then joy enjoy you some football